Hey, you guys, good morning. Welcome to the Spirit Led Discipleship Podcast. I'm Nate Harkness, and you found us. It is Friday morning here in Georgia. It is a beautiful 70 degree December day. Uh, one of those warm December days we have here in Georgia sometimes. I took a run this morning and I was talking to the Lord about 2023 and what I want in 2023 because the verse of the day was ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And I felt as though the Lord gave me an invitation to seriously and sincerely ask him for what I want in a way that uh, I was able to maintain my focus throughout next year on those things. And so I asked him for a number of things. One of the things I really sincerely asked him for was a specific number of people who next year are able to go from almost no sense of God's living, interactive, tangible presence in their lives to a daily sense in which they do not miss a day without experiencing God in some way, hearing him speak, feeling his love, experiencing um, his grace uh, in a very tangible way, in a way that changes their lives, that changes how they think, feel, and act. And I asked the Lord for a specific number of people, and I'm wondering if you might be one of those people. And I want to leave you with a challenge at the end of the, the day today to set aside your will and intention next year to every single day experiencing God in some way. And I'm going to give you some ideas as to how you can do that and how you can troubleshoot when it feels like that's not available to you. I was really inspired this week by uh, a person who I did an inner healing manual approach session with who came in having had almost no sense of God uh, with her throughout her life. And during the session, she experienced Jesus for the first time um, in, in a way that was tangible and interactive for her. And for her, it looked like feeling God's presence like electricity in her whole body and feeling all this gunk removed and, uh, and feeling like, wow, Jesus is just right there. It feels so true. And I remember my first time experiencing Jesus that way, in which I went through this healing Emmanuel approach session and I just saw Jesus and I was like, wow, I can't believe how real it feels like he's really there and I could reach out and touch him. And, uh, and he did such amazing healing work that day. One of the most important things he did was he removed a major anchor of shame in my life in which I felt like I was not lovable because of things that I had done in the past. And the Lord very specifically, I mean, looked me right in the eyes with these intense eyes and put his hand right through my rib cage and said, uh, you are lovable because I love you and you are worthy of love because I made you. And I understood that, man, my lovability has nothing to do with my behavior and it has everything to do with God's choice and design. And so he alone has the right to tell you who you are. And if he says that you're loved, then darn it, you're loved. <laughs> so that uh, created enough open space in my mind and psychology to embrace a new belief system, which was 
God is always there. Grace is like, uh, imagine a tree that is leaning, you know, against another tree. Like it's, it's always grace, God's presence and his grace is always leaning up against us. And the only thing that is in the way of us experiencing that reality is on our end, not on his end. And I can explain that more uh, because it can feel like what I'm saying there is it's your fault that you're not experiencing God. And that's not exactly true. Um, There are many things that can block us. Wounds, uh, lies that we believe that were given to us, things that were inherited from generations past, real um, dark, evil, um, demonic things. Uh, So many things can block us. Um, Of course, our own choices can also block us. Our own mindsets. Also just not having information um, about how to get to God. Like all those things can block us. But I began to believe that all those blockages are on this end, not on God's end. God is always willing to give his presence. God is a natural giver. But if I can identify with Jesus's help, which he seems very willing to give me, all those obstacles, or even one of those obstacles, then Jesus can help me remove it. And when he does, I will naturally, as a matter of course, experience him. And so that's what I started doing after I went through that first experiencing uh, experience of feeling him remove barriers in my past experiences I started going through memories and saying, hey, Jesus, where were you in this? Where were you in this? And he started showing me things. And I started relationally connecting with him. And my relationships started improving. And I started feeling loved for the first time in a resilient way. And so what's happened is I've gone through ups and downs. And there are times that I have forgotten uh, what I've learned. And I've had to remind myself of that. But... Even through all the ups and downs, I have not gone a single day in the last six years without tangibly experiencing God, hearing him say, I love you, uh, sensing his presence with me in a way that I was able to believe that Jesus actually is with me. And I want to give you the gift of an invitation to believe that I'm not anything special. In fact, for a long time, I really felt like I was disqualified from this experience. I would hear other people talk about it, and I would say, that's great for you, but I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, I'm too sinful, um, I'm too rich, I'm too poor, I'm too whatever. Whatever it was, like, this only happens for people in other cultures, or, you know, I, I have just too many obstacles. And the Lord so graciously took me on a journey. And at the end of that journey, um, showed me once and for all that he is with me, that he lives inside of me, and that he would love to connect with me. So let me give you a few pointers. If you want to take up my challenge to set aside next year as a year of experiencing God, then I want to give you some tools that can help. And these aren't all the tools, but these are a few of the most helpful tools that, uh, that I found for my own life. Some of these things, by the way, um, I've written about in my new book that I just published called Spirit-Led Discipleship. 
um, intimacy and identity and the training of the 12. So you can pick that up on Amazon if you want. Um, but, but let me try to give you the for real, for real, you know, ground level. What's it going to take for you to get to uh, an experience in which you feel that God is available to you at all time, uh, at all times, and that you can effectively troubleshoot um, whatever comes into your life. So the first thing that was helpful for me is to have somebody say to me, God is always available to you and the blockage is always on our end, not on God's. And if we can find what the obstacle is and remove it with the help of Jesus and the Holy Spirit living inside us, then we will naturally experience him. And I had never thought about what do I actually believe about my attachment with God? I realized that because of wounds and pain and junk in the past that I, I actually had a not a very good way of attaching to people in general. And that affected my, my relationship with God. Um, I had a very disorganized attachment is what psychologists would call it. And, um, and God is not like my parents. God is not like the other attachment figures in my life. And so when that belief that God is always there and willing to connect with me was proposed to me, um, I had to try it on like a new pair of shoes. And so I put on this belief system and I was like, I, I know I don't fully believe this yet, but I'm going to act as though I do. Um, let's pretend that I believe this. Let's see how it fits. And so try on that belief that God is with you, that he, he likes you, and that he would really like to connect with you, and that he has good things for you that are consistent with your unique design. You're not like me. You're not like anybody else. You're completely unique. And yet what's true of both of us is you and I are both designed for really, really good things that we're designed to do in connection with God. And from that connection, all other connections can flow. And from that connection, our life can flow. And so that first piece for me was trying on that belief. I bet God is with me. And sometimes I would say, God, I bet you're right here. And you're just so excited to be with me. You're so excited to connect with me. And if I can't feel you right now, I know that's on my end, not on yours, but I bet I will soon. And I was able to uh, out loud posit these little belief statements that reinforced something positive about God's view of me and about my relationship with God, which was, um, I'm not going to keep saying to myself over and over again, it's hopeless. God will never connect with me. God's not going to show up. God's not like, look, we're, we're God's temple. Like we, God lives inside of us, whether we feel him or not. But one thing I do want to say about experiencing God is we don't, we don't base our faith on our feelings. Uh, whether we feel God or not, he is still who he is. And my experience of him does not change in one bit the fundamental ontological character of who God is and who Jesus is. And God's decision to live in us and to be in us is not based on our ability to feel him at all. However, if you're in a relationship that is cognitive, 
and uh, volitional. In, in other words, you're choosing to be in that relationship, but you have no warmth in that relationship and you experience no connection in that relationship, then we would say that's not a, a healthy relationship. And we would send you to counseling or to, you know, or we would encourage you to build connection. We would encourage you to um, cultivate things that create connectedness in that relationship. And so our experiences of God do not determine who God is or where he's decided to live, which is in us. So even if you don't feel God, that doesn't change the fact that he's in you and that he loves you. However, relationships are designed to be experienced. We have a part of our brain that is often neglected in Christianity, which is the right hemisphere of our brain, which is designed to build creative, attuning, connected relationships. And those relationships can be felt. And so that's what I'm challenging you to press into today is a right brain connectedness to God, not just a left brain. I read my Bible today, check, uh, kind of relationship, but a right brain, uh, attuned relationship. And it doesn't matter if you are a left brain dominant person, you still have a part of your brain that's designed to experience attuning relationships. Um, and you, you probably know what that feels like if you've ever been in love, if you've ever been uh, on a date with your spouse, perhaps, and you've looked them in the eyes and you felt uh, kind of a warm, uh, connected feeling of like, and a, and a belief that, yeah, I bet they are really there for me and they really like me and they um, are on my side and I'm on their side. If you feel that mutual care, if you've uh, held a child in your arms and felt a protectiveness and a warmth towards them, you've experienced right brain relational connection. And so that's what I'm challenging you to build with the Lord. So the first thing again is uh, trying on that belief system um, that God is always there for you. And if you're not experiencing him right now, uh, the blockage is on our end and also that he is able and willing to help us identify that blockage and remove it. You can go through experiences that are scaffolded by other people uh, some experiences that have been really helpful for me uh, going through our ministry, Worldwide Discipleship Association, uh, has a series of small group experiences uh, called Processing Pain, Understanding Emotions, and Conquering Shame. And all three of those are designed to go through in a small group. And they're very illuminative, very helpful, um, very educational, um, and also um, encouraging it encourages connection. So we're processing pain from the past, we're processing shame and junk, but we're also doing it in the in the context of a safe small group. So we're building our relational circuits with other people while we're sharing real, real stuff. Um, so that's an excellent resource. Going through an inner healing modality like um, Sozo or a manual prayer is what I use uh, personally or uh, theophastic uh, prayer, um, all those can be very effective. Uh, of course, my my uh, favorite is the Emmanuel approach, just because it's what I know and what I, what was very effective to me, and it's such a positive, um, encouraging thing. It really starts with 
uh, building joyful connection with Jesus, not just working through junk and trauma, because uh, that can be really heavy and really discouraging. But when you start with a joyful connection with Jesus, um, then it's so much easier to go through pain and trauma and negative stuff because you feel access to those relational resources that come from uh, building that joy muscle with somebody who has ultimate care and concern for you. So that that's a, that's another thing is going through healing experiences. Counseling can also be very helpful. Um, even uh, secular modalities like EMDR uh, can be extremely helpful. And so, uh, so I encourage people to 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 hit it from all angles. Um, the third thing is just taking time um, to be quiet and create space. And um, this is this is something that uh, Christians do talk about, which is having a quiet time. And it doesn't have to be in the morning, it could be at any time during the day. But I like to encourage people too. It's not just about having a quiet time, though I, I still have an hour or two in the morning um, and that, that really helps me to not only connect with the Lord, but to also um, connect with myself and um, spend time just uh, becoming mindfully aware of my own life, my own world. I do a lot of processing in those times. I do a lot of praying. But for me, prayer is not just giving God my list. For me, prayer is saying, well, Jesus, you want to walk with me? You want to talk with me? Um, What's on your mind? And I ask him questions and I listen for answers. Um, and, and that's part of the belief that he likes to talk and that he's happy to be with me. But sometimes it takes a little space to get away from the anxiety and the hustle and the bustle and the social media and the distractions and all the stuff just to take a walk. So that's actually a practice that I do every morning. I take a walk and I invite Jesus into my day. One of the things that I've gotten used to doing that's been really helpful is waking up in the morning, and I don't see this as necessarily a spiritual exercise. I see this as a psychological exercise. Um, I mentally apply my will to obey God first thing in the morning. So when I wake up, uh, I think to myself, today is a good day to obey the Lord. Today is a good day uh, to walk with Jesus. And I don't, I don't light candles or burn incense or listen. I just, I just say to myself, self, and I say it to all my, all my, all the parts of me, everything that makes up who I am. I say, can we agree to follow Jesus today? Let's agree to follow Jesus today. Uh, Because I know that submission is a huge part of being able to, uh, access God's presence. Romans 12 says it this way in Romans 12, one through three, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies, which is all of all of you, your body and all it contains as a living sacrifice. So in other words, you get a view of God's mercy that makes it easier to present God uh, to God, your body and mind and heart and soul as a, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's your reasonable act of worship. And it says, don't be conformed by the uh, patterns of this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is. So in, in other words, the, the key to knowing in the kingdom realm is, is not about uh, intellectual wrangling. Uh, it is about 
relational knowing through trust. And so first step is get a view of God's mercy. Second step is make an assertion of trust to the Lord um, and say, well, God, today is all yours. I'm yours today. And, and third is allow God to start renewing your mind. And then you naturally start hearing from him. And when you spend time in intimacy and surrender, then the God's spirit starts flowing through you. You start looking for him in different places and you start experiencing this sense of, even if I don't physically feel something right now, I just have this sense that I'm walking in God's will. I'm doing the right things today because God is right here with me. And then you get to the end of the day and you realize, I'm proud of myself today. I walked with the Lord. And that's not to say that I'm perfect, but I really felt like I did what I was supposed to do today. And and that's one of the promises of experiencing God daily is the integrated mind. You start to really feel as though you're thinking with God and you're partnering with him in your thoughts and in your actions. And so it's really cool to walk with Jesus because you begin to feel like one person instead of a bunch of people with all these different conflicting desires. And that war inside of you, um, that war of desire, it gets really quiet and you begin to live in peace with yourself. So many people are seeking peace and that experience of walking relationally with God each day, um, so naturally leads to the peaceful and integrated mind, heart, body system that people naturally just long for. So set aside time in the beginning of the day, but I would also challenge you to set an alarm at different intervals throughout your day in which you can take one to five minutes to pause, to invite Jesus to come back in, to mentally realign your thoughts and your will with God's will and to say, God, I'm here for what you're here for right now. So at noon, you might set a timer and, uh, and say, all right, for five minutes, I'm going to sit and just be with God. And that's, that's one of the things too, that on a belief level is helpful for you to believe. You know, it's one thing for God to be with us. He is with us, but it's another thing for us to be with God. And God desires our presence with him more than we desire his presence with us. We're not begging God to send his presence. He already has. We're connecting with God and we're saying, God, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be with you. And to not worry if you mess it up throughout the day, you will naturally, as a part of this adventure, wander away into all kinds of crazy thoughts all kinds of crazy actions, you'll get off track. Of course you will. You're human. And you need to, to, to build a muscle memory to resist that guilt that you feel and to simply realign your attention. This is what we teach when we talk about meditation. Of course, you'll have distracting thoughts come in. Um, and that's okay. You can put that thought 
on a boat and let it float down around the bend in the river until it's gone. And then you can turn back to Jesus and he's still there with you. You can put it on a cloud in the sky, let it float away until it's gone and then naturally turn back to Jesus. That's, that's practicing self-acceptance and self-kindness in the growth journey. You just say to yourself, I'm a student, I'm a learner, and I'm not going to get this right all the time. But one thing I do want is to consistently, habitually realign my mind and heart uh, towards Jesus. Brother Lawrence, who wrote The Practice of the Presence of God, um, very simply talks about thinking about God the oftenest he could. (laughs) And uh, what a beautiful, incredible practice it is just to think about God. Um, It doesn't need to be more mystical than that. He just sits sits there and thinks about God. Wow, God, you're wonderful. You're amazing. Um, Just think about, um, you know, the picture of God in Revelation, the the Ancient of Days. Think about Isaiah 6. Think about the beautiful truths of Scripture. Think about heaven and what heaven is going to be like. Think about um, how much Jesus loves you. Think about what he did on the cross. Think about how he rose from the dead. Think about his miracles. Think about his disciples. Think about um, the Old Testament, how God delivered his people from slavery. Just think about God. Think about what an amazing guy he is. He's so good and he's so worth thinking about. And when we think about him, we meditate on him and we chew on the reality of him. And as we chew on the reality of him, we start to feel him. And, you know, when I talk about, when I talk about God with other people, it's like I begin to feel his presence naturally. He's attracted to our thoughts about him. He's attracted to us talking about him. And that's another tip that I would give you is um, talk about God as often as you can and think about him as often as you can. Because the more you do, the more you are reminding yourself of what's really real. You know, we live in reality. And one of the accusations that can come against mystics like me, I guess I would call myself a mystic, is uh, is that when you are so caught up in this transcendent uh, thing that you are into, you are, uh, you're ignoring the world or you're ignoring reality. And they say, oh, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. But I would say that actually, we are living in the matrix. And there is a sense of reality to this crazy program we're living in called Earth, but there's a deeper reality, and it's the heavenly reality. And actually, when we live in a heaven mindset right now, in this reality, we are demonstrating through our lives that there is a deeper reality to to, uh, existence. There's a deeper reality than this world. And we're learning <laughs> not to say that um, the Matrix is uh, all, tr- you know, that movie is all truth or gospel. But uh, like Neo, we're learning that uh, when, we, when we learn the rules of both kingdoms, the deeper reality of the kingdom of heaven can help us bend the realities of the kingdom of earth. And that's where, that's where miracles come in, both t- 
tangible miracles, the things that you see with your eyes, and also the intangible miracles of, uh, of a changed heart and sudden access to emotional resources that you never thought you'd have access to. Um, those things begin to manifest in our lives when we are able to live from a heavenly perspective um, as though we are already made mature and complete and fully know our value and our authority in Christ. If we begin to act like that and live like that and think like that, then we start seeing some real world implications, not only in our own minds, hearts, and relationships, but also in the world around us. Now, what else can I, what else can I give you? I have found worship very helpful. I found uh, music carries a, a certain kind of language for me. Uh, I am a creative, but I know that many people, uh, even people who are not creatives, uh, talk about the power of music to uh, to transform kind of their thought patterns. And so I'll put on a worship song. Um, I've really enjoyed listening to worship from Upper Room, uh, from Bethel, um, from uh, some different uh, some different groups that um, Jesus culture and that just just love the Lord and whatever you think about their theology or their uh, their practice um, there is a a heart for the Lord that comes through in the music and a, and a sense of God's spirit uh, that comes through in the worship that um, I like to just soak in and a, and a truth to the words. Um, today, I was just, just listening to the song, We Make Space, We Make Room, uh, We Come to Worship You. And I was reminding myself that I am making space for the Lord to move in my heart and my mind. So those are a few tips. And, and I just want to leave you today with an encouragement that we're all extremely complicated people. And you might be saying to yourself that you are a little a little too much of a hot mess to experience God in this way. Um, all I can say to that is I felt that way too. And I know what that feels like. And I also know what it feels like when the presence of Jesus steps into my psychology and into my heart and mind and points at one thing and helps me remove it or points at one area of my life or simply wraps his arms around me and says, I love you. You're lovable. You're mine. I know what it feels like for Jesus to confront all my complexity with his beautiful simplicity and to feel as though what seemed like an impossible um, obstacle, an impossible task becomes light and easy. Jesus is the king of the easy yoke. He's the king of the light burden, and he's good at lifting our burdens. And so I'm inviting you into an experience of God's presence that really is an invitation to a journey of relational trust. As you grow in your trust in the Lord, um, you are going to be blown away by the impact that it has on your day-to-day -day life. The things that you thought you would do with your life, no matter where you are in your life, will go be completely, uh, will be fulfilled 
expanded and blown out of the water with new visions of what God can do through this new you with this new capacity. Um, one book that you can read that, that I encourage, um, I would encourage you to read is from somebody who took this experiment seriously. His name was Frank Laubach. And uh, Frank Laubach was a missionary in the Philippines back in the 1920s. And he wrote a book called Letters from a Modern Day Mystic. And it was his journal of trying to do this very thing. He set aside time each day to connect with the presence of Jesus. And then he made a game in which uh, that he called the Game with Minutes, in which he uh, sought to experience God's tangible presence as many minutes during the day as he could. And he would track how many minutes he was able to really retain a sense of God's presence walking down the street. And, and he talks about the impact that it had on his life and the experiences he had. When I read that book, I was just shouting and rejoicing and crying. and Because it was just, you know, it, it's like somebody from a different generation and a different era that had a hunger for the thing that would change his life and his world most of all. And Frank Laubach went on to... Um, to actually start a literacy program, and he's credited with uh, helping 150 million people worldwide learn how to read through his Each One Teach One program. But um, but in his heart, uh, he was a mystic, and he was seeking an experience of Jesus's presence in his day-to-day life in a way that would actually change his world. And I would argue that that is a life well lived. And whatever else you've designed around your life to help you live a good life, uh, maybe it's taking care of your body, maybe um, you know it's cultivating good family relationships, all those things are really good. But I would say to you that the, the best way to boost your productivity, your efficiency, and even your physical health is to care for your relational connection uh, with the Lord Jesus who loves you more than anybody has ever loved you and will bring you into this new world of connectedness and possibility. So I'm encouraged because I'm reminding myself of these truths and I need them as much as anybody else. If you decide to say yes to my invitation to set aside next year, to not miss a day with in which uh, to not miss a day of experiencing God's presence at least once, um, I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to stay in touch with me about how your journey is going. So drop me a line uh, on Facebook um, or on this podcast, leave a comment, and I'd love to know if you are setting aside 2023 to experiencing God every day, and I'd love to follow you on your journey and hear what you are learning so that I can be encouraged and go deeper in God's presence as well. God bless you today. Have a wonderful Friday and a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.